Hello, Carl. Hello, Martin. Just me and you again. Yeah, we've given up on the other yeah, two. Yeah, given up with the others. It's just the Martin and Carl show now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put little dolls with their faces on just to pretend they're here. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I was looking at the news yesterday and that, um, you know, they talked about Branson's firm, was it Virgin Galactic? Yep. He was talking ages and ages and ages ago about tourists into space. And he was going to do it. And there was a woman on the um, news saying she spent a quarter of a million pound for a ticket to go on Branson's Virgin Galactic space flight. I think it's something like, it's only about 90 minutes. Yeah. Then they're not in space for long and it's like a low Earth orbit or whatever. And then they come back. But he reckoned they're not far away from doing it now. Is that more commercially? Yeah, it's just tourist trips. Into space because eventually they're going to go around the moon, yeah, around the moon and back, which is all very nice. Would you do it? Would you want to go into space? You know, I, I don't like flying, I'd love it, but uh, I, I'd like to years ago when I was young and fancy free, I would have, <laughs> you know, with no fear, young and stupid with no fear. Well, you can still take your tartan blanket on these little <laughs> space journeys, <laughs> yeah, with my bus pass, give me a discount on, <laughs> yeah, you'll get an intergalactic bus pass, yeah. <laughs> I, I can, you know, that's sort of the, the pinnacle of human technology, you get to see the planet in its, well, not in its entirety, but you get to see a bird's eye view of the planet, which just shows that, you know, we're just, we've evolved from being what we were to be able to sort of look down on the planet that we've come from and travel around our immediate moon and, and back. I mean, that that's sort of up there as life achievements, I think, something that you can, it's quite a humbling experience, I'd imagine, being on, on one of those types of trips and seeing things from that perspective because you're basically following the steps of people that did it 50 years ago in a much safer and more um, stable environment, I guess. Yeah, you say that, safe and stable. I don't know. I don't know if I would do it. I, I wouldn't be the first one to do it. I'd have to wait until all the yeah all the safety checks are done and all those people die inevitably because something's going to go wrong at some point. But then, yeah, once it's, once it's all figured out, then I'd go on there. Well, what about what they might see? I mean, if they're going up into space or around the moon or whatever, they, they might see the aliens. Well, I hope they do. And it's not going to be little men on the moon waving at them as they go past, or there probably could be. But if there's any unidentified objects in orbit at, at that particular time, it's going to be very difficult for people to deny their existence like they have in the past. Oh, it is, because they're all going to have their phones out. Yeah. Taking snapshots. It'll be on Twitter within minutes. Think they got names, aliens? I know this is a bit random, but like, you know, we've got names. Do you think they've got something to identify them? Like, they, is one of them called N? Or, <laughs> or is it just like a, 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 a look? You know, this, this is my name. It's, it's very possible, maybe a symbol of some kind. Like Prince. Yeah, it could be. He changed his name to a symbol. It could be representative. Because I suppose you have to look at where we are in life and the value of a name or what a name represents. It's a sort of a defining thing you know names aren't unique you know there's hundreds of well particularly in wales like andrew jones david jones something jones there's millions of them it doesn't have any real i suppose it's not unique there's you can change it to whatever you want so it doesn't really have that much value anyway when it's given to you 
but maybe they have a more advanced and sophisticated naming thing. I don't think you're going to have, you know, Jeff the pilot from an alien race. They'd probably have something more fitting or more advanced than us. It'd be interesting, though. Can you imagine if the aliens came down and you stand there, they, they've just landed on the local sports centre in their big ship, and they come down and you think, well, I'm going to go over there and meet them. My name is Martin. I have a podcast. Who are you? We're from the planet Zeta Reticuli, and my name is Doreen Smith. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so, where are you coming from, mate? <laughs> but talking of UFOs, which we sort of were, um, you've seen all the news yourself where um, they've admitted NASA and various scientific people are now admitting, well, the US Navy have admitted that those UFO videos are real and UFOs are real. They finally accepted it, which we all knew, well, I knew, that, that these things are real. They don't know where they're from. They are intelligently controlled. They're not sort of earth-built in that they, as far as we know, no one's got a machine that can travel at like 6,000 yeah. mile an hour and then do a right-angle turn and go straight up. It's not a pet project that someone's lost control of. Yeah, and it's they've had to admit, well, we don't know what they are. They haven't publicised these articles, though. They, they've published them, Yeah, but they haven't brought attention to them where they've made very succinct statements to say, yeah, we admit that there is objects in our solar system that we have no idea about. Well, we know that they're there, but we don't know their origins. We don't know nothing about them. But, yeah, they haven't publicized it. But it's, it's definitely out there. And we've talked about this a few times where there's been... There's a 24-7 feed of some of the space stations. And there's been certain clips that have been leaked where one of the operators has gone, well, there's an object in our space and we don't know what it is. And then the feed cuts off. So those little clips have escaped onto the internet where NASA puts on the doo -doo -doo, the elevator music <laughs> yeah. when a, a craft comes into focus that they have no idea that's supposed to be there. And then they cut it back afterwards once it's either disappeared or you know it's been dealt with in some way. I don't think I mean dealt with by they've shot it down or they've done anything. Maybe they've signaled it or it's disappeared. But you'd like to think that if that was a a space station and there was there's probably scheduled journeys with supplies being sent up and whatnot. So if an astronaut in the space station sees an unidentified flying object and they don't know what it is, then it's very unlikely to be something that we've sent up there. It's not going to be a sofa floating around. It's going to be something that's caused enough attention for the operator to to flag central command, and they cut those out. There's also, I don't know if I mentioned this, there's also a document, a PDF document on the NASA website. Did I send a link out to this? I don't think so. Via that WhatsApp? Ah, maybe I didn't, but um, I'll have to check that. I can still find it. Where some guy did research and published a paper on the NASA website, and what he said was the UFOs, or the UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena <laughs> that we're seeing now are exactly the same ones as we've been seeing for thousands of years. Thousands of years. And that's on the NASA website. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not something that somebody's commented on. It's actually a document on there. 
and he goes into a lot of research where he's brought up um, extracts from ancient writings, from the Bible, um, where they said, yeah, yeah, and and Job saw this, you know, light in the sky, and it shot across the sky, and then it turned right angles, and it shot off over there, and he said, it's exactly the same stuff that we're seeing now. So they, whatever it is, has been thousands of years yep. wandering about this, this, this planet. And you see a lot of hieroglyphics from ancient Egyptians' times that depict objects oh, absolutely. in the sky yeah. that are clearly not objects that they could have created themselves. You're talking, I'm sure there was some that looked like maybe helicopters, there's UFOs, there's things that they've depicted that look exactly the same as some of the items and objects that we're seeing now. So when you think about that, there's no way that those older civilizations would have been able to make the same determination that we are now. So it seems very strange that we've tried to deny it up until this point where they've now just turned around and gone, yeah, it was true the entire time. Why not just say that from the start? You know, what's what's there to gain and what's there to lose? What do you think the outcome is? Or what do you think what do you think they're concerned about why they can't just come out with it and say about it? Do you think it's because the American government don't think they can protect their people if they're admitting to the fact that, you know, okay, this technology whizzing about our planet, which is far more advanced than anything we've got. And if they decide they want to come down here and zap us all, it's not a thing we can do about it. Would the Americans panic over that? I think they would. And maybe they think that people aren't intelligent enough to digest that information. Because we know that, you know, we... We say this all the time. If an, if another intelligent species comes to our planet, then you know we're, we're fucked. It's the same as premises we're on Earth. We have control over most of the animal kingdom. We can choose to eat what we want. We can choose to breed what we want. And we can use those animals to help us with farms and other things that we can't do. So if another race comes to Earth and does the same thing to us, well, it's just the next evolution of the planet. Earth doesn't care what happens or who inhabits who the inhabitants are, it just knows that it has to survive. But, yeah, I, I think a lot of people are scared of that. They'll think, well, I don't want another race coming to my planet and, you know, eradicating me at any moment. But, you know, just chill. It, it, it's That's the truth. There are things out there that could come to this planet at any moment and just eradicate us. Yeah, and I think if it would have happened by now, if, um, if we've got all these sightings that, that, you know, we've had visitors for thousands of years, um, we're still here. Yeah. Well, you know, why haven't we been sort of obliterated yet? Because we are a primitive society. We yeah. are so primitive. We're violent and thick as shit. And maybe that's what they're waiting for. They're waiting, to pop, waiting for the population to reach critical mass. And then they're going to start farming us for whatever purpose they have. But I always find it funny that they always... It's always the rednecks that seem to be taken up <laughs> into the spaceship. They never abduct a plastic surgeon or a chemist or a Nobel Prize winning scientist. It's always someone who enjoys the company of his cousin too much. <laughs> Nicely put, <Carl. laughs> And And unfortunately, those types of people discredit, you know, potential abductions because they think, oh, you're just some hick who's had too much to drink and it kind of... You know, I'm sure there have been cases where people can, intelligent people have legitimately been taken or something's happened to them, but people just think it's nonsense. 
which is a shame. And obviously you've got the people who just make it up and that distorts yeah, yeah, the water yeah. even more. What about the Travis Walton thing? I don't know who that is. He was, I guess, this is a long time ago. And if my laptop hadn't died, I'd look it up. <laughs> uh, but I think it was back in the 60s, 70s, maybe. Travis Walton was uh, abducted in front of his mates. They were driving through um, the countryside in his truck in America. And then a spaceship appeared. And Travis Walton went over to have a look. Now, I'd have been screaming and hiding under the truck. I've been absolutely panicking. Um, but he he went over and got um, allegedly got zapped up into the spaceship and abducted and then came back and told his story. And everybody oh, said he was is. a lunatic. They made a film about it um, a few years ago. November 5th, 1975. He was working in a national forest park near Arizona. He reappeared after five days. And it's one of the best-known public alien abduction stories in all of America. And he wrote a book. Hmm, I might read that. And then there was a film in 1993 called Fire in the Sky. That's the one, Fire in the Sky. So he was working on November 5th. He was riding his truck, and they encountered a saucer-shaped object hovering over. He left the truck. A beam came out. He was unconscious. And then he awoke in a hospital-like room, being observed by three small creatures. He claims to have fought them when they escorted him to another room where he blacked out. And then he woke up five days later, and the last thing he saw of that saucer was it departing after it dropped him off back where he came from. And then there's a whole section then about how they think it's a hoax and so on and so forth. I might read that book, actually. What was it called? Uh, the Walton Experience, written in 1978. So I can imagine that chap is sort of the one of the celebrities in that community then, where people will go and ask him about his experience. Well, in the film, Fire in the Sky, and that they, they he would go into the local cafe and dine and everything, and people would just take the piss out of him. Oh, there's that nutter. Yeah. And that's the difficult part, is that he doesn't seem like... I mean, on the face of it, he just seems like your average Joe. You know, he's just some guy that works in a lumber mill, goes home, goes to work. He doesn't seem like the type of person... Or there would be no value in his life by just making up this story. And I can imagine in the 70s, were UFO stories that prevalent in the scientists? I know you had Roswell in the 50s and the 60s, but I think that sort of died down after a while. There was a bit of a hoo-ha about it and the nature of it, where the military said they were testing these different objects and there was kites and things like that. But then it doesn't seem like... Well, maybe I'll read his book and I'll watch the movie, but it doesn't seem like the type of person who would just make that story up out of, out of thin air, you know? Seems quite specific. Yeah. How would you cope? Because, I mean, if that's true, right, if it really happened, there are... You've got issues, haven't you, with that? Yeah. I mean, you come back and you say... Because you, he's probably never, ever thought of it before. I mean, if it really happened and all of a sudden like, he's, he spent all his working time and they probably sleep out in the woods as well where they're working and then 
all of a sudden Eddie gets taken up into a spacecraft with creatures from another planet, probably outside of the solar system, um, and then he ends up back on Earth and watches his spaceship piss off, and it's like, what the hell just happened? How can you go back to your life after you that? You can't, can you? You, you? Well, I couldn't. That, that would change my life. I would spend... You'd go mad. I'd spend the rest of it trying to fight off madness and trying to figure out exactly what what happened to me. I'd try and submit my body for medical research to see if there's any trace left over if I was experimented on. Was there anything in my body that was abnormal that they could identify as potentially being put there? Um Hopefully they don't stick a probe or something up my ass and then leave like an, a satellite in my body, like in the South Park episode. But, you know, there's got to be, there'd have to be some trace of you being experimented on. And I'd certainly look for that. I would have to have counseling and therapy to try and figure out what's happened. You'd start questioning your own reality, I think, because most people to a certain point say, yeah, aliens might be real or they might not be. And you can have a conversation about it. But when when you're so convinced that you've experienced something like that, well, that's it. Your, your normal life is over, and then you've got to try and somehow survive without going insane. But then you'd have so much pressure from the media yeah. and society calling you a fraud. You're a madman. You'd have all the local people calling you a nut job. You, your normal life, as it would, would just be over. Yeah, because you can't go back to, you know, you can't you can't just go into work the next day or, you know, even that, that same day. You know? Why are you late? You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. Look <laughs> at this thing up my ass. Because at some point, you're going to have to tell someone what happened. So you've got a choice at that point. You can either try and ignore it and suppress it and carry on with your life, or you can tell people and see what happens. I don't think I'd be able to suppress something like that. No, no. I no. wouldn't just be able to go, well, I can't tell anyone about this, and then live the rest of my life. In denial, I'd, I'd have to tell someone and I'd have to explore. See, they've regressed people, haven't they? They've had, um, like, psychiatrists have hypnotized people, regressed them and everything, when they're not conscious of what they're saying. And they said, yeah, tell, tell me about what happened. Describe your abductors. And they they're always agree, because yeah. they seem to be the mischievous ones. And they describe the whole thing. They describe a ship and, and the aliens that took them and what happened and what was said. And they spoke to them telepathically. And everything, and you think, well, okay, there's you can't ignore that. The, the the fact that they've done it under hypnosis, so they're not aware of they're making up a lie or whatever. Yeah. And the psychiatrist then always say at the end of it, well, you know, whatever happened, he genuinely believes it happened because he's describing it as he saw it, as far as he's aware. So it's not something he's making up, he's describing what he saw. And that's where the critics come in. They say, well, you don't necessarily have to have experienced something to convince yourself that it happened. If you're that, if you're that convinced, then you can make you can almost convince yourself that it happened. You tell yourself the story so much that your mind believes. Mm. Well, I say your mind believes. You believe that you've experienced this. So there's some skeptics, but I mean, to what point do you convince yourself that under hypnosis or under medical? Um, not anesthesia, but they can they can put certain sedatives in you that make you tell the truth. You know, the truth serums that people have talked about. And they can rattle off the story. I mean, you'd have to practice telling yourself that story hours and hours and hours yeah. every day. You'd have to really convince yourself that it happened to you. And you, it's a very difficult thing to do, you know. You, 
there is no two voices in your head. You are who you are. So you'd have to somehow change your entire logical output to say that, oh, this story definitely happened to me. And you have to convince yourself on a subconscious level that you've experienced this. It's not, it's not something simple. So the fact that these people can talk about their experience under sedation or under hypnosis and make it sound like it happened to them, and the doctors will say that they're talking as if it's happened to them, it's very difficult to not believe them. And implants. There's a documentary I've watched, I think I've seen it twice now, um, where there's a specific doctor somewhere, I can't remember where, but he people have gone to him that claim to have been abducted and that they've got implants in their body and this particular doctor cuts them out and, and you know, he, he keeps them and cannot for the life of them figure out what it is. I mean, he's he's looked under one, they looked under one under a microscope because they're that small. Yeah. And he said, if you look at it under a microscope magnified thousands of times, it looks like it's got a coil wrapped around it or pipes around it. And he said, so that's obviously machine made because he said nobody could make anything that small and sort of wrap like pipes around it. So they said they no idea what it is. They don't even know what type of metal it is. Yeah. Um, but they cut in these out of people's bodies that are claimed to have been abducted. So there's got to be, to me, there's got to be something in that because they're not sort of going out of the local shop saying, yeah, well, have you got any uh, very rare metals here that nobody yeah. knows what it is? So I can put it into my body with no marks of stitching or anything like that. I can just magically get it into my body. Um, that'll fool people. And As, it's something you know. magnified thousands and thousands of times that you'd need intricate equipment to create and you'd have to have a significant mm. knowledge of engineering at that level to try and make it. And, and they admit certain sort of wavelengths and radiations and stuff, which isn't what we use. So, they, you know, these, these things are, are real. They exist. This doctor's, like, cutting them out of people. Do you know what that's called? Documentary? No, I'll have to look it up. Wouldn't mind watching that. I'll have to look it up and, uh, and send you the link. Because that, it fascinates me, and, uh, you know, it's always something that I watch. I watched all the Bob Lazar documentaries on Netflix, particularly the Area 51 documentary where he talks very openly about the experiments and the work that he was given when he worked for the government. Some of the things he said 30 years later are now coming out to be fact. Yeah. You know, um, Element 115. Element 115 is probably the biggest one. He very... He knew where the facility was. He knew everything about where he was working. They tried to deny that he never existed, that he never worked there, but he knew too much about where it was and, and the things that were going on there. He's been raided by the FBI numerous times. They've said that it's been about certain elements of his new business, but that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. They've had forensics there, cryptographists, people that you wouldn't expect to be there to look at a, you know, a tax return form. They're trying to find something on his property because they believe that he's taken samples of element 115 and he's kept them all these years. So they're trying to find something in his house. Because for those that don't know, Bob Lazar said that the anti-gravity machines, the power unit in the space alien spacecraft, was, um, you need something with, like, 
horrendous power to be able to power that. And he said it was powered by Element 115, which at the time didn't exist. Uh, but then the Russians discovered that it does exist. And it's not just a coincidental name that somebody said, oh, let's call it Element 115. It's called that because of its atomic weight. Yeah. So it's it's a specific name because of its atomic weight. So it does exist, but at the time they said it was nonsense because it doesn't exist, but now they've proved that it does. So that was more evidence that what he said could be true. And when you're talking about the discovery of an element 30 years before it's actually, well, I say it's actually discovered, someone's obviously found that or it's been given to us or something's happened where we've happened across it the government have kept secret for all these years and then through sheer happenstance these russian scientists have found it and now they've had to admit that it did exist all these years ago so i don't know what experiment or what circumstances those russian scientists found that element but if Bob's telling the truth, and it certainly seems like he is, then we've known about this for a very long yeah. time, and we've been looking at utilizing it in a variety of different ways for the last 30 years. So whomever has that element or had it 30 years ago, I'm sure they've done some weird and wonderful things with it since then. Because if, if we're finding these things now and the government are 30 years ahead of us, you know, what else did they find 30 years ago that we're going to be coming into contact soon by mistake or by them admitting or the declassification of documents. I know what I'm going to ask you. Would you, if they said, right, okay, uh, we've tried these different tourism, now space tourism, where we've gone around the moon, we've had a lap around the moon, and we've gone low Earth orbit. Uh, now, if you want to, we want to colonize Mars, but it's a one-way trip. You can't come back because it's too much exposure to radiation to go there and back, and, you know, it'll kill you and and all this shit. But do you want to go? But you, you can't come back, so you'll have to leave all your family behind. Although I suppose you could all volunteer to go, but would you go? Bear in mind, there's nothing on Mars at the moment, but you'd be part of colonising it, so, you know, you'd have to roll your sleeves up and, and build stuff and... I probably would. I'd ask about Wi-Fi first. Like, you know, can I get you know, even a little <laughs> bit of signal on Mars? My phone would probably melt in the Mars atmosphere. Anyway, but I think it's it's that whole life experience. You'd be pioneering the human expedition to Mars. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Your name would echo throughout history as being one of the first people to set foot on the planet and and look to expand the human race. Yeah, I'd probably do it. Yeah. My name's already on Mars. Now, you, I can I'm see the way you're looking at me. How to <laughs> when they did the, I can't remember the name of the thing, though, they sent the probes up there. Uh, on the NASA website, they gave you the choice that you could buy a ticket to Mars, or basically you could have your name etched onto a tiny little microchip. They were putting millions on this microchip, so that's how small your name was. Yeah. Um, and they would give you a boarding pass from the NASA website. So I've got a boarding pass stored on my 
laptop somewhere. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the actual trip, but it landed last year. I think it was November last year when they were landing up the one of the landers yeah. on, on Mars, and my name is etched on that microchip. So my name is on Mars now. So so aliens are going to look at that and go, oh, we know him. Yeah. We know Martin. Big yeah. fan of the podcast. We've 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 seen him <laughs> looking up at the sky every night, which I do. Every night I'm out the bank looking up at the sky. I just bought binoculars. I love how you worm the binoculars in there to say <laughs> that you're just looking up at the sky. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking at my neighbours. I'm actually looking up at the sky <laughs> with my binoculars. Looking for all visitors so I can give them a wave. Have you seen anything interesting yet? Or is it just... Well, oddly enough, I've see, I seen a couple of things I've had to look up in the past was uh, like the first time I saw the um, space station go over. And all you can see is this bright light moving across the sky way higher than a plane. And it's like, yeah. what the hell is that? And then, of course, you go in, Google it, and it turns out it's a space station. Um, and I've seen a couple of weird things where you'd suddenly see this bright flash in the sky. And it was like, the hell was that? It was a hell of a bright flash, and it's a clear sky. You know, there's nothing up there. You can't see an airplane trail. You can't see a plane. Nothing. Just this really bright flash. Uh, and, and I went and looked up what are these bright flashes in the sky because I'd seen them more than once. And it turns out they're iridium satellites. What it is, as they sort of rotate in, the wings and that on them are reflecting the sun. Okay, that because makes sense. because they can, you know, they, they're in line with the sun. So when they hit the right hang angle, it reflects the sunlight back down to Earth. But it, it, at the time, of course, because it's rotating, it's moving across the Earth. So as it's, I think it's about two hundred foot wide beam of of light of reflected light. So of course, as it passes over you briefly, it's this bright flash. Yeah. But then it's actually sort of moved off somewhere else. So it's not just flashing, it's rotating like a lighthouse. But you only see it when it's facing you. That's really so, cool. So that's what it turned out to be. It turned out to be Iridium satellites. And I've seen them a few times now. But then I spend a lot of time looking at the sky. If you didn't know they were Iridium satellites, do you think that... And I suppose this has happened over the years where different objects have been rotating, the, rotating around the Earth or orbiting the Earth. Do you think a lot of the sightings potentially could have just been innate objects like satellites where people didn't necessarily have the tools available today to determine that it was? Oh, yeah, it's always possible. I mean, I've also seen when I'm standing out there for ages, um, looking up the clear sky, I've also seen um, what looked like a, a star, you know, you see, you see the stars in the sky and most of them sort of, they all keep the same distance from each other, so you yeah. know they're stars. And then all of a sudden you'll see something, like one of them is moving across the sky. And you think, well, that's not a plane. There's no flashing lights on it. There's no trail. It's way too high for a plane, but it's no brighter than, than a star. Yeah. And I've often wondered what they are. It's quite possible and well, quite likely they are satellites. Yeah. Just going in a different direction and not particularly sort of brightly lit. It's just that because I'm standing here staring up, I've noticed it. So that might be nothing, but but you always wonder, is that wonder of, what is that? And you know, I can see something moving across the sky. It's clearly out in space, but what is it? I wonder if a telescope will help. Yeah. I don't know how far they can magnify. Okay, that could be my next purchase. You get to really <laughs> see Barbara getting dressed then. <laughs> 
Well, t- I mean, a telescope is probably the natural. It's the natural next step from just getting binoculars. You can you can obviously buy different grades of telescope. The more expensive, the more you can see. But if you're truly interested in that, then if you see a light in the sky, you hop on the telescope and maybe you can get more or at least see closer to where it was to try and yeah. figure out what it could potentially be. Trouble is with a telescope, it'd have to be a good, expensive one. And yeah. even then, it's it's hard to lock onto something because you're magnifying it so much. I mean, it's, it's tricky enough with binoculars. Yeah. Because it's just, you know, you're looking at an airplane and all, it's all wobbly. Yeah. Because you're trying to keep the binoculars still. It's not like you see on a television... <laughs> Where they look through binoculars and it's perfectly it's, still. It's perfect and they see exactly what they want to see. Yeah. And they track it perfectly without losing anything. Yeah, nothing like that. It's all wobbly and all over the place and then you can't find it. When you're dropping fag, I shed and we're going, oh, fucking thing like that. Because <laughs> it's a lot, it's trickier, you know. Those scientists who deal with them on a daily basis, then yeah, maybe they can have a bit more stability. But for the average person, I mean, usually people have telescopes to just randomly pot around looking at the sky to see if they can see anything. And if you do, it must be incredibly difficult to keep it locked on. Yeah, maybe I'll just buy an observatory. If you can fit one of those in your garden. It'd be great in a garden, eh? Just go in one of those, the, the, the dome sort of thing rotates and I'd be sitting in a chair. Well, they can take pictures of, I mean, how do we get the pictures of the solar system as we know it? Yeah. You know, some of those telescopes are incredibly powerful and I'd love to go visit them, like the Hubble telescope just to see what it's like out there in the universe. That'd be amazing. That's my dream, that is. So where did we start on this podcast, Carl? I can't remember what the original topic was. The Richard Branson offering of space exploration. And what have we achieved throughout this podcast? Aliens exist? Aliens exist and... You're happy to go to Mars? I would love to go to Mars. I'm not going. I'll just moan the entire way. Yeah, we'll probably just have to drop you off somewhere. Yeah, that's it. I'd get thrown out halfway because I'd be moaning all the way. Because as it is now on Earth, I don't like the sun. I don't like the cold. I don't like the heat. Um, I'm not fussed on the wind. Rain is all right. I've got no issues with, 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 with the rain. But everything I can think of... I don't like, I'm not happy about, and I'm going to moan. So the journey on the way to Mars, and especially when we get to Mars, I'll be saying, I don't like the wind, I don't like the sun, I don't like the earth that I'm standing on. is too earthy. Yeah, you. I think people would push you out the escape chute <laughs> I'd be thrown way before way. we got to Mars, yeah. <laughs> so somebody I'm not putting on up with this for another 20 years, just fucking just eject him. <laughs> just get shot of him. Is somebody on this spaceship that smells? A bogus report. There was a malfunction, he's gone, whatever. <laughs> Oh, right. Interesting podcast, uh, Carlos. Uh, food for I, thought. I think it's talking of food. I think it's time we should go and eat. The truth is out there. Uh, what are we going to have? What, what are we going to eat, Carl? What is for January? So do you want to go to KFC? We could go to KFC. Yeah, are you thinking of like chicken or, or are you thinking... Uh, oh, yeah, I'm not going for the vegan burgers. I'm <laughs> just going for chicken. So so it's January, but you're going to go and eat chicken. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if anyone else is eating the burgers and then we can look instead of taste it ourselves. <laughs> I've had a vegan sausage roll, so I'm doing my part. Yeah, okay. Nice one. All right, then. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks, Carl. Ciao.